Well, as we continue in our summer reading series, because how good has this series been? Just, I'm just gonna say it, stupid good. It has been stupid good. That doesn't sound like the most illiterate way to describe a series organized around reading, but I'm just gonna say it anyway. Even though we've been all doing our reading and eating our Wheaties uh, intellectually, we're getting smarter, uh, it has been stupid good. But this week, it's just gonna reach a whole different level of awesome good uh, because we have the one and only Sadie Robertson speaking at our church this week. This book, hello, Live Fearless. Does anybody wanna do that? Live Fearless, a call to power, passion, and purpose. Uh, Jenny and I had the chance to, to cross paths with Sadie over the last couple of years on a, a few different occasions, and every time it's left us refreshed. Of course, she's known around the world for Dancing with the Stars and before that, Duck Dynasty. And, but, but what really God is propelling her into a brand new uh, season of usefulness as her platform just continues to grow. She's a powerhouse communicator. There's a sweetness to her spirit that is absolutely infectious, and she lives out the message that she speaks. So every Fresh Life location, if you're not already, stand up to your feet. Help me welcome the one and only Sadie Robertson to the stage. today. I think because um, I love doing stuff that you know you could not do if it wasn't for God. Like, I could not be standing here if it wasn't for God. I literally wrote a book, Live Fearless, which means I come from a life of living in the past in fear. So to even be here and stand here is just the power of God's grace and love. So I get emotional. So bear with me, church. Bear with me, church. Y'all can uh, go ahead and take your seats. I'm going to tell y'all a short story of just kind of... Um, how fear gripped my life. There's some of these stories are in the book, but many of you know I was on Dancing with the Stars. Okay, wow, that's shocking because I don't know how that happened. Only God again. Uh, I got asked to be on Dancing with the Stars, and I don't know if many of you know this, but I actually said no at first. I was like, no way, Jose. Why in the world would I go on Dancing with the Stars? One, I don't know how to dance, which that seemed like a pretty big reason in itself. So I was like, no, this is not a good idea. So they called, they're like, do you want to go and dance with the stars? And I'm like, no, thank you. Thank you for that amazing offer, but I'm going to pass. And my mom was like, are you kidding? Nobody says no to dancing with the stars. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, yeah, but mom, you see, I don't know how to dance. Don't want to learn in front of 20 million people. It just didn't really sound like a good idea. So I said no. Well, um, the next day I had one day to decide. I was actually the last person they called. They said, you know, we're sorry we're late. You would have to move to LA in two days for the next three and a half months. So it's kind of shocking. There were some elements to why I'd say no. Um, and my little sister, um, I decided I was just going to take her out to lunch. I was just going to have a lunch with her and tell her why mom is crazy for wanting me to go and dance with the stars. I'm thinking my 11-year-old little sister is going to like, you know, be with me in this. She's going to be like, yeah, it's totally crazy. You should totally not do it. It's not what happened. I bring my little sister who's 11 out to lunch and we're sitting there and we're talking and I'm like, you know, I just don't understand because like, I don't even know how to dance. Why would mom want me to do this? She should go do it, you know? And, uh, and Bella looks at me. She goes, Sadie, can I ask you something? I'm like, uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> And she goes, is this the fear talking or is this Sadie talking? And I was like, 
oh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. My 11-year-old little sister just called me out. And it was the first time that I think I realized, like, fear is answering all the questions in my life right now. I'm saying no to things I should say yes to. I'm saying yes to things I should say no to. And I'm sitting here giving my little sister an example of if things are scary, you should just say no. And I'm like, that goes against everything that God says about us. He didn't give us the spirit of fear. Like, we can't make decisions based off of the spirit of fear in our life. So I look at her and I'm like, you are so right. I am doing this. And you would think in this moment that I'm like, I'm doing this. Like, all of a sudden I'd be like super confident. I'm like, I got this. That's actually not what happened either. I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going on Dancing with the Stars. And as soon as I like said yes, it was like, I was overcome by fear. Like, anxiety attack to the max. Like, full on. And th for three years, I had struggled with anxiety attacks, panic attacks, the whole thing. You're shaking, you're crying, you don't even know what's right. And uh, I decided I was going to drive to my best friend at the time's house. Her name's Mary-Kate. She's now my sister-in-law. She's married to John Luke. I was on my way to her house, and uh, full-on anxiety. I mean, I was crying, I was shaking, and how many of you know that fear can get really ugly? It's not cute, all right? So this is not a cute story, but I'm going to tell it to you because you need to know how real it is. So I'm driving there. I start shaking. I start crying, and I throw up. So I am literally have throw up on me. It's disgusting, okay? Like, this is fear, everyone. Hello. And so I get to Mary-Kate's house, and when I pull up, I see my brother's car. And I'm like, skirt, we are not going here. Because I'm like, he cannot see me like this. It's so embarrassing. So I, like, turn around. I was, like, driving back home. Well, all of a sudden, I see this tall, lanky John Luke Roberts and my brother running after me in my rearview mirror, and I'm like, no, 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 he doesn't understand. I'm leaving. So I keep driving. He catches up to me. He's very fast, and he starts banging on my car door, and he's like, roll down the window. And I'm like, no, I'm not actually going to do that. So I keep driving. So then he like keeps banging, he is relentless. So I stop the car and I look at him and I'm like, yo, I'm not rolling down the window, I'm going home. And he's like, no, I, I need to talk to you, I need to talk to you. I'm like, no, you don't understand what's going on in the car. So he gets on my car, literally jumps on the car. He's like now straddling my car and he's like, I'm not getting off until you let me in. And I'm like, well, bro, you're gonna be on there for a while. So you would think at this moment, I'd stop the car, I rolled on the window, come on. No, I kept driving. So I drove, it was bad. This is fear, everyone, hello. Throw up and keep, kept driving. Um, so I locked the car door, rolled the window up and I keep driving. And you know, I think that's what fear does though. Fear locks the car door. It rolls the window up and it doesn't want your brother to see it. It doesn't want your family to have a voice in it because when you are fearful, you're blinded and you don't really understand the choices you're making. And so you hide. And that's the worst place you can be when you're in fear is in hiding. And so I just kept driving. I kept driving. He's such a good brother. He just stayed on the car. I was slow, okay? I wasn't going to like hurt him. But finally, I pull into Mary Kate's house and I open the door and he's like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. And he was such a good brother that night. He sat with me. He talked with me. He encouraged me on why I should do it and all these things. And the cool thing about this story too is John Luke actually wanted to be on Dance with the Stars. He actually said yes when I said no. And he was able to be so selfless and sit there with me and say, no, Sadie, you were called for this. You were born to do this. You're going to go there. And what's inside of you is going to be so amazing that Hollywood needs to see it. And I will never forget that night. Such a special night with my brother. Um, but I learned so much through that whole experience. But I kind of want to show you guys a video before I even get started on this teaching. But the reason I tell you that story is to say this. Some of you today, 
you're sitting here and you're like the John Luke of the story and you're like this hero who's like freedom, I live fearless and I'm so awesome and that is great and that is where you should be. Be the friend that's on the car, be the friend that runs your friend down, be the friend that keeps knocking, like keep doing that. That's so good. So in this teaching, don't feel bad if you're in a place of freedom. Actually, like, thrive in that because that's where we all should be. But some of you today, you're the Sadie of the story. And you're in the car and the door's locked and the windows are rolled up and you have throw up all over you. And fear is not real cute, okay? And that's okay, too, because there is hope. And I can only stand here today free, literally could tell you I'm fearless because I'm no longer a slave to fear. Who the sun sets free is free indeed, okay? And so... I just tell you that to say, I was there four years ago in that car, and today I'm standing here, and I, give, I say that to bring hope to you. So watch this video. I think y'all are going to really enjoy this. <laughs> Fly, and you go up to 14,000 feet, and somebody opens the door, and in that moment, you realize you've never been in a freaking airplane with the door open. <laughs> terror, 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 terror. And then people start going out of the airplane. And the guy walks you up to the end of the thing, and you're standing, and your toes are on the edge, and you're looking out down to death. They say, on three. One. Two. And he pushes you on two because people grab on three and you fall out of the airplane. And in one second, you realize that it's the most blissful experience of your life. You're flying. There's zero fear. You realize that the point of maximum danger is the point of minimum fear. The lesson for me was, why were you scared in your bed the night before? What do you need that fear for? Everything up to the stepping out, there's actually no reason to be scared. And then in that moment, all of a sudden, where you should be terrified is the most blissful experience of your life. And God placed the best things in life on the other side of fear. Ooh, come on. I love that. That gets me so excited when he says, at the maximum point of danger, there is minimum fear. And I felt that to be so true. Every time it's like I finally get to the place that fear was, their fear is conquered. Because in that place, that's when God steps in and it's like, it has to be you, God, because I really can't do this. And he fights for you, he catches you, he carries you. And you just begin to build this confident trust with him. In Hebrews 10.35, this is one of the verses that changed my whole perspective on fear. It says, so then do not forget the confident trust that you have in the Lord, for it will be richly rewarded. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will be able to test and approve what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is for your life. And so my question to all of us is, how are we going to have confident trust in the Lord if we don't walk with him every day? You have to put yourself and place yourself in those places that in spaces that you're like, I could not do this without you, God. Let him fight for you. Let him win the battle for you. And then when you get move on in your life, you look back and you're like, 
oh, I can do anything because God has continuously showed up and done this for me. That's the only way you're going to be able to do it. One time I asked my mom, we actually went skydiving for my 21st birthday a few weeks ago. Whoo, come on, it was awesome. And it was so cool. It was one of those things like this I could only do if I'm in you, God. But it was so cool because my mom... Gosh, she's the best friend to fear. She, oh, she answered the phone for three years when I called her with an anxiety attack. She answered the phone, and what was so cool about her is that she does not struggle with fear at all. Like, picture a fearless. Proverbs 31, there she is, my mother. And she just laughs at fear of the future, and I'm her daughter, and I'm sitting here like, <laughs> and so like, how did I have it? I don't know. But she's just amazing. And it what was so cool, even though she didn't struggle with fear, and I did, she recognized the place I was at. And so she, as my mom, memorized all the scriptures on fear so that when I called her and I was having a panic attack, she would go, do not fear, for I am with you do not be dismayed, for I am thy God. I, and she just began to declare a scripture, and it was so amazing. So for her to be with me skydiving a few weeks ago and get to experience me being like, yeah. But like, actually, truthfully, I'll be real. I was not scared. But if y'all watch the video of me skydiving on the internet, every chin was saying, don't go. I mean, I'm talking right before. I had like 10 chins. I was like, I'm doing it. But it was so funny. But my mom, she was there. She was just always there. And one day I asked her, I said, Mom, I don't even know if you know the answer to this, but, you know, you laugh at fear of the future. You are this picture of fearless. I'm your daughter. I'm afraid. So I just want to ask you, how? How are you not afraid? Like, I know that's kind of a big question, but how? And she looked at me, simplest answer, most profound statement. She goes, you know what? I really just believe what God says. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> like, I wish I could do that. And then I realized, wait, we all can. Like, what if we actually just really believe what God said? What if it was just a matter of believing this book? What if it was just a matter of believing the songs that we sing? What if it was just a matter of believing the words that we're praying? What if it was just a matter of actually just having confident trust and belief that he is who he says he is? <laughs> like, what if it was? And I think that it is. You know, fear is actually the belief that something is a potential threat to you. And when I read that one day, I was like diving into what fear is. And when I read the word belief, something just hit me wrong. I was like, ooh, like, oh my gosh, I am choosing to take belief in something that I cannot see that's other than God. So I have a choice. I can choose to believe in fear and constantly live in a state that something right in front of me is a potential threat to me, or I can choose to wake up every day and choose faith and believe in something I also cannot see, but that no weapon formed against shall prosper, you know? So which one do I really wanna believe? Because both take faith. And so when I started thinking about this, I was like, who in the Bible actually did this like good? Who really believed what God said? Who really acted upon it? Who really did it? And let me tell you, Daniel, that boy did it right, okay? He did good. So I was reading the book of Daniel the other day, and I don't know if many of you, probably all of you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, but when I read it again with a new perspective, with fresh eyes, like actually living in this place of trying to be bold, everything changed for me. And so I just want to remind you guys of this story. Daniel back up for just a minute, before chapter six, chapter one, I think it's important to kind of talk about because it kind of shows this confident trust in the Lord that he was building. So chapter one, the kings are like out, the king is out looking for um, 
new people to serve in the kingdom, and they're looking for the handsome men, the strong men, the wise men, the sharp men. And so they invite all these people in, and they give them this diet, right? And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know the story. They decided to fast, and they were like, we don't need your food because they were Jews, and they actually believed in the Torah. So they were like, we can't do this. It goes against the word of God. So they chose to fast. Well, of course, 10 days later, they're wiser, they're sharper, they're stronger, they're more handsome. And in this moment, in chapter 1, it says that God gave these men wisdom, understanding, gave them the ability to interpret dreams and languages, all this stuff, chapter 1. And so you kind of see how that comes into play for the next five chapters in Daniel's life. So I'll only say that to say Daniel wasn't just some random person just chosen by God that God was like, yeah, Daniel, awesome. No, Daniel was a faithful servant of God who walked with him and lived a righteous life before God. And so as these five chapters go on, anytime the kings needed a language interpreted, anytime they needed a dream interpreted, Daniel was the man. So Daniel would show up and he would do it. So we get to chapter 6, and the king's about to appoint this new person to rise up in the kingdom, and he chooses Daniel because he says that Daniel has been found favor in God's eye and also his eye. So he's like, Daniel's the man, and just as many times in history goes, everybody else is like, gets super jealous, and is like, no, 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 no. We got to get Daniel out of here. This is not cool. So they decide that they're going to come up with some way that they could get Daniel out of the position to be king. Well, that's going to be kind of hard because Daniel was this righteous guy. He was doing everything right. So they say, the only way we're going to get Daniel tripped up is if we make a law or a new law that goes against the word of his God. First of all, that's pretty cool, okay? Like, if we can live a life like that where people are like, the only way we're going to be able to get Sadie is if we do something like this. Like, that's pretty cool, okay? So this is how righteous Daniel was. So they made this decree. They said, King, can we just make this new law that for the next 30 days, people can only pray to you, King? And if anybody goes against that, we'll throw them in the den of the lion. And the king decides that that's a good one to make, so he makes the law. He seals it. It's put in stone. That's going to be the deal. Well, it says, picking up in chapter 6, now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, just as he had always done. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed. I love that. As soon as he found out about the new law, just as he had always done, he got down on his knees and he prayed, just as he has always done. What if we lived such a steadfast, wholehearted faith that it doesn't really matter what happens in the world, just as we have always done, we will bow before the king. You know, that's so good. And so he gets down. Well, like I said, it was a scheme. So the people go up and they're like, king, your servant, he did it. And the king was actually really distraught because the king was like, oh, Daniel was the one I was about to appoint. But it said, I said it, that if somebody bows down for another king, then they're going to have to be thrown into the lion's den. And so the king, keeping his word, decided he was going to throw Daniel in the lion's den. And now I'm just going to pick up and read this for a minute. Then we're going to go over it. So it says, so Daniel gave the order, and they brought, so the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you continuously serve, rescue you. I also think that's just a cool point to just, like, take note of real fast, just because this king was, like, had been watching Daniel. Like, Daniel was, like, kind of living out this testimony that the king had been watching this whole time. And he had seen God save Daniel so many times, so he's like, actually, I really hope 
that the God you serve rescues you. When I used to read that younger, I, I would think that it was like, he was like kind of this jealous king that was just like, yeah, may your God rescue you. Like it was almost sarcastic, but no, he actually really wanted him to rescue Daniel. He really thought this, Daniel's been doing so good. I want your God to save you. Like live in such a way that people don't want you to fail. They actually want God to keep doing it because it's awesome, okay? And so they're like, no, may the God you serve rescue. And so they brought this stone over. They placed it over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his signet ring sealing the fate of Daniel so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the whole night without eating or without entertainment. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the den and he said, Daniel, has your God, whom you continuously served, been able to rescue you? And Daniel popped up and he says, may the king live forever. My God sent an angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in your sight, nor have I been found guilty in the sight of my God. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the lion's den. And when Daniel was lifted, there was no wound found on him because the lions had not harmed him. Then just a little bit further, because I think this is too cool to not say, the same king who just made this decree that they could only serve and pray to him now makes this new decree. And he says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What? Oh, that is so cool. Like, that is from the king, okay? So isn't it cool that this king threw him in and he was kind of expecting, he's like, oh, please save him. And then he did and he's like, everybody serve Daniel's God. Like y'all don't even have to pray for me. Forget about that new decree, Daniel's God. He endures forever. Like that is so cool. And so I'm gonna reread this because there's so many things, like I said, to be confident, I really feel like this, to be confident in something, sometimes we have to be confident of the consistency of something. And I think that God is so consistent that we can be confident just because of how consistent he is. We're like, oh, I know you're going to show up because you keep doing it time and time again. And this story just preaches on the consistency of God. So the first point, it says a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the lion's den. The king sealed it with his signet ring, sealing the fate of Daniel. Okay. I read that and I was like, yeah, right. He didn't seal the fate of Daniel. That can't be true because no king can seal the fate of our lives, right? And then I thought about this in Matthew chapter 27. Right after Jesus had just died on the cross, it says that, you know, they put him in the grave and they, in the tomb. And Pilate's men, they, they came to him and they said, you know, while the deceiver was still alive, he said that three days he was going to rise again. So can we give an order that somebody can go seal the body and make sure that nobody comes and tries to steal Jesus' body? And then Pilate says, take a guard. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb double secured by putting a seal on the stone and posting it up by the guard. How many of you know that there is no seal that any king can put on our life to determine our fate when God has established destiny in our life, when he knit us together in our mother's womb? And if God places something on your life, he's going to see it through. It, there's not it's a matter of if I steal it twice, if I roll it three times over, let me just get one more stone. No, God's got you, okay? If he placed something on you, it doesn't matter your placement, okay? He's that good. So just one point of the consistency of God. Then it says the next day he comes in 
And he's like, Daniel, Daniel, has your God saved you? This God who you continuously served, has he saved you? And Daniel pops up and he says, may the king live forever. My God sent an angel on my behalf. If you stop right there, consistency of God, Matthew chapter 4. This is so cool. Whenever um, Daniel, I mean, whenever Jesus was getting tested in the wilderness, he's there, he's been with the enemy for 40 days, and he's just been tempted and tempted and tempted. But actually what ended this whole process is the enemy asked Jesus, he said, would you just bow to me? While we're on top of the mountain, you know, we're overlooking all these things, would you just bow to me one time? And if you do, then all this would be yours, he said to Jesus. Kind of like Daniel's situation. Daniel, they were just like, if you would just pray for 30 days. It's just 30 days. Like, pray to me as a king for 30 days. It's just the time you're in right now. It's just what it's going to be for right now. But then after 30 days, you can go on and pray to your God. If just right now while we're on the mountain, if you would just bow, if you just pray to me. And both of them, may the king live forever. May the king live forever. They only bow to one God. And so Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. In this moment, the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. I love the parallel that when both of these people, Jesus and Daniel, decided to say, no, only one king, I only bow to one God, angels were sent on their behalf. So it didn't matter what enemy was actually right in front of them. It doesn't matter if there's one, 10,000 10, enemies in front of your face. When you say only one God, all of heaven's army comes and fights on your behalf, right? Like that is so powerful. And another thought I was just thinking of, you can be following the perfect plan that God has for your life and still be led into the lion's den, still be led into the wilderness. Daniel was this righteous guy. He didn't, like, accidentally trip up, and he got, you know, sent into the lion's den. Jesus was Jesus, so he didn't trip up, and he got led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And so I think that that's just the point we're taking is that sometimes we can be living the perfect plan for God's life, and there's actually a reason why we're being led into the lion's den. There's a reason why we're being led into the wilderness. And in that moment when you're in the pit of the lion's den or in that moment when you're standing on the mountain of the wilderness and the enemy has challenged you in some way, God is actually building a confident strength in you that one day you're going to look back and be confident in another situation in your life and say, no, 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 I remember the time my God sent an angel on my behalf. You're just building this confident strength no matter where you go. The angels say about God, they surround him day and night in Revelation. It's like one of the only Revelation verses I will preach on because it's so confusing. But my God, <laughs> hey, I'm 21, I'm learning. But I love this moment because it says the angels surround God day and night. And all they can say is holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And so I take that to believe that it doesn't really matter where we're going. It doesn't really matter where we're going to end up, but I know and I believe confidently that when I get there, I'm going to be able to say, holy are you, God. And so that has been something for me that I've held on to because I think that sometimes in our life, we get so stressed out about where we're going or where we're going to end up, and then that actually causes fear, and we only really get disappointed with where we end up if we set our plans in motion, right? And so I think that, <laughs> just thinking about my mom and how she laughs at fear of the future, I don't think that, I think we are only going to be able to do that if we just leave it up to God where our future is, but we know when we get there, we're going to say, holy, 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 are you Lord God Almighty. 
I think that's kind of the trick to Daniel's success is it, it was just as he had always done. It didn't matter what was happening around him. It was just as he has always done. He was just so steadfast. And so then it says, my God sent an angel on my behalf and he shut the mouth of the lion. This is just one of my favorite points because if I serve a God that shuts the mouth of the lion, that means I don't have to shut the mouth of the lion, okay? And so I think sometimes we actually get ourselves in trouble because we try to shut the mouth of the lion. And then we get hurt because we stepped outside of something that God actually asked us to do or required us to do. And God is so good that we serve him and he will come on our behalf and he will shut the mouth of the lion. All we have to do is be still and know that he's God and that he's fighting for us. And I know sometimes that is hard to do because these people, they be talking, they have mouth louds, you know, they're just the mouth of the lion. You just wait. You just wait. You be still. You know he's God and you let him shut the mouth of the lion and he will come and he will fight on your behalf. God, he's such a good God. Such a good God. And then it says, because he was found innocent in his sight, he had done no wrongdoing, he came out and there were no wounds found on him. So what this story also tells me is that you can be in the lion's den and come out unharmed. <laughs> Simple as that. I mean, it preaches it right there. You can be in the lion's den and come out unharmed. So wherever you are right now, you may be surrounded by a lot of lions. You may be surrounded by a lot of things that have come into the enemy, coming to kill, steal, and destroy the plans that God has for your life. But you're going to come out of that unharmed if you would just be still and know that he is such a good God. I keep saying be still and know. So I just want to share with you where that's from. Psalms 46. Psalms 46 is like my anthem of fearless. Uh, because I think for me, I didn't really understand how I was going to possibly be fearless until I read Psalms 46. Um, and what God challenged me with that is that I realized something in my prayer life. I was constantly praying. I never really had this moment where I like wavered super far off from my faith, but I was living in so much fear. And so one day, it was like after this, or it was towards the end of the three-year process, I got so frustrated. And I was like, God, I don't understand why I'm still afraid. Like, I pray all the time, like, God, I know you're good. I know you're a good father, but God, why am I still living this life of fear? And I remember so clearly just, you know, when you just know God just punches, like, breathes right into your spirit, and you're like, whew. And he said, you know, you've been praying for your situation to change. And if you would just stop for a minute and pray for your heart to change, that's when you're going to see true change. Because as long as you keep praying for your situation to change, whenever you get in the face of something that's scary, you're going to freak out. But if you would stop for a minute and pray for your heart to change, you can begin to walk and end up in the scariest situation you thought life had to offer. But yet that is when I will fight for you. And in Psalms 46, it talks about how even when the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea, even when the oceans are roaring with foam, even when the nations are in chaos, the kingdoms are crumbling, even when all of literally everything is going wrong, all you have to do is be still and know that he is God. Like, that's it. And so Psalms 46 radically transformed my life. And so that's why I keep referencing that. Just be still and know that he is God. As I was reading this, once again, the last thing that just really hit me is, you know, I've been thinking about what does this look like to live a life of boldness? What does it look like to be bold? Because when you're bold, it's like actually that moment when you're actually, you actually are staring in the face of fear. Like being fearful, fear is like, 
you know, maybe staring at something and you can't really see anything, but like you're still afraid, you know, you're just believing that something could hurt you. But being bold is like, no, you're already there. It's like skydiving, like, hello, there's death. You're there. Like that's being bold. And so what does this look like? And so that's what led me to Daniel in the lion's den because I thought, gosh, when do you need more boldness than when you're in the pit, right? And so I began to think about this, like Daniel's staring at the face of this lion all night long. And then as I was going over this in my head and I was praying about it and I was thinking about it, I thought about, wait a second, it was nighttime and there was a stone rolled over the pit. So unless there was a fire, potentially Daniel couldn't even see the lion, which really got me because that means Daniel's in this presence of darkness and maybe he can feel the presence of the lion. Maybe every now and then he can feel the fur brush up to his skin. Maybe every now and then he can hear the roar of the lion. And maybe every now and then he can hear the pacing of the lion around him. And you just start to think about for a minute that sometimes fear doesn't give you a face. Sometimes you're in the presence of darkness and you don't see anything around you, but you are very aware that the spirit of fear is in the room. And how do you fight against that? I think that's what's so hard is because when I lived in that place of fear, people are like, what are you afraid of? I don't know what I'm afraid of, but I'm always scared. I don't see anything in front of me, but I know that I'm scared, okay? These feelings are so real, and everybody outside of it can't see it. So like, what are you afraid of? But you're sitting here, and all you can hear is the roar. All you can feel is the presence of fear, and it is becoming so overwhelming to you. And I'm going to tell you something that I've learned in my life. The only way you can fight that is the name of Jesus. Like, that's it. (laughs) The only way you can fight the presence of fear that you cannot see is the name of Jesus. But you may think that, oh, that's simple. That's just one name. Yeah, but one name that sends all of heaven's army. One name (laughs) that diminishes fear. The only name that brings light into the darkness without a fire. It doesn't even matter what Daniel was sitting in. He just claimed the name. Oh, God, that's so amazing to me. And the first thing he said when they called his name is he said, all hail the king. He just said, may my king live forever. He wasn't sitting there like, yeah, I just defeated this lion. No, because all he did was just depend on God to save him. And I just think that's so good. You know, so many times, like, we overcome this journey of fear because maybe you're sitting on that side of freedom and people, like, want to know your story and you want to say, like, all these cool things. That, no, you don't have to. <laughs> all you have to say is Jesus. All you have to say is may the king live forever. That's literally all I have to say. I don't have anything else. I don't have some story of, like, yeah, there was this one time and then I did this, I did that. I didn't do anything. <laughs> God just literally reached down into the deepest waters and pulled me out because I just kept saying the name of Jesus. And it's a journey, guys. Like, there are going to be days, and um, Louis Giglio, one of, like, the greatest of all times, and we were talking about this the other day, and I said, do you still, like, deal with this? And he said, yeah, of course. Like, there's always going to be times when it comes back. But now I know how to fight it. And I think it's important that you know that. So don't be disappointed when you get out of the pit of the lion and then something silly comes up and you're like, oh, no, why am I afraid? I just was in the pit of the lion. But the enemy's not going to (laughs) stop, you know. But Jesus is always there. So just believe that. So, guys, like I said, I went skydiving and 
It was so awesome. Like, for real, everybody should go skydiving. But it just taught me so much about life. Um, Like I said, it was one of those things that only God can do. Like, I could only do with God because it seems like such a big, scary thing. And you do have to be bold because you are standing there and you have zero control. And I actually think that that's a big point of it and the reason why it's so freeing and it's so liberating and there really isn't much fear on something that you think would be so scary is because you have zero control. (laughs) And I think that control is a big part of our fear. You know, we only feed our fear when we try to control our situations. And when you just let go and you just jump, it's like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And there is so much to this life. There's so much adventure to this life that you get to live when you live fearless. I'm so thankful for the adventures I've been able to go on only because I live fearless. If I didn't overcome that in the name of Jesus, I would not, I would just be doing something completely different because this is not what I would have chose. And and I want to show you this video from skydiving. And I'm going to pray that this video, that the spirit would just, just intercede in this moment. I played this in front of some high schoolers recently, and it was amazing to see that this video, a silent video, God began to like come into their heart and search them. Where is that place of fear? What is it that you need to let go of? Because some of us, it's a matter of letting go of control. Some of us, it's a matter of actually we're in this place and we're with the line and it's scary and we just need to call in the name of Jesus. Some of us, it's a matter of being disappointed of where we were led. And so we're just getting so anxious about where we're going next. And we just need to stop for a minute and just let God do the cleanup. <laughs> like there's so many different things. And there's so many different reasons to why we'd be afraid. And I believe that this video, somehow, Holy Spirit is just going to breathe to your heart right now, directly to the space in your heart that kind of needs to be healed. And so that's my prayer for you guys. I'm just going to pray real fast. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for your name that we can call upon. And God, in an instant, all of heaven's armies are there to save us. God, I thank you that in your name there is freedom. I thank you that you have called us, that we no longer have to be a slave to fear, but we can actually stand here free just being a child of God. God, I thank you for what you've done and thank you for what you're doing. God, I pray as this video goes out, God, I just pray that they would silence um, their mind, they would silence their heart and just receive what it is that you wanna teach them right now in this moment. God, I pray for a teaching of freedom to come over them. God, I pray for an awareness of where the fear is and God, I pray for a strength to release it. God, I pray that an anthem of praise would walk out of the room. God, I pray for a miracle of freedom. And God, would that be um, for the rest of their life with this moment right now be that confident trust that they can look back at and remember the time that you identified the source and you released it from their life. God, I thank you for what you're about to do and it's in your name we pray, amen.
Thank you for joining us for this teaching from our summer reading series. For more content from Fresh Life Church and to stay up to date while you're on summer vacation, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link below.